0: Please, please, I ain't with the schemes. Never Ponzi. Popping tags just to brag, don't appall me. Fully loaded M6 with some dirty vans. I guess picking up dust was part of the plan. Hey, now wow. Um, if you enjoy the intro to outro music, be sure to check out the show notes below to get more information on that artist. Uh, today, we have an excellent show for you. We're pleased pleasure to have a real Bitcoin OG on, uh, and one you may or may not have heard of, but I'm going to go ahead and possibly lean on the sign that you have. Uh, we're pleased pleasure to be joined today by the one and only Charlie Shrimp. Uh, And if you haven't heard of Charlie Shrem, we're going to give him a chance to give a breakdown on his history so you guys can get more familiar with him. But great guy. Really pleased to be able to have him on the show. Glad he was able to accept. Uh, And join with me today, too, is Dr. Corey Petty from the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, D is off working, um, kicking ass, doing cool stuff. Um, So it's just me and Petty today tackling this with Charlie Shrem. So, Petty, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: What's up, guys? Y'all know me from the Bitcoin podcast. I'll be here to got to ask some more questions, get to talk to Charlie, been meaning to ask him about his projects coming on recently and, uh, really happy to be here.
0: Yep. Yeah, and of course, you know, we have Charlie shrimp. So Charlie, um, and without any further ado, do you want to just go ahead and give a brief history of yourself and just sort of a primer on who is Charlie? So the world knows.
2: Absolutely. It's a really pleasure to be here. Thanks for, uh, for reaching out and, um, and having me on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into Bitcoin pretty early on uh, back in when I was in college in 2010, 2011. Um, many people know me from uh, my first uh, Bitcoin startup, which was BitInstant. And um, we enabled people to uh, essentially buy and sell Bitcoins uh, for cash um, at over a million locations in the U.S. and a few other places. And we we kind of created the community behind the Bitcoin scene. Our office was a meeting place for uh, everyone in New York City to kind of come and hang out and learn more about Bitcoin. And we frequently traveled to different places and and held a lot of events. Uh, through that process, um, well I saw it at at by one point we were processing, I think like thirty percent of all the the Bitcoin to USD volume um, that was going on. So we had a really big market share and um that led me to uh start the bitcoin foundation as a as a means to be able to bring everyone's heads and voices together and to have a kind of common message and to make sure that developers would have uh, salaries so they wouldn't have to work for for specific companies uh that unfortunately it's kind of changed uh in the recent years as i've learned um but at the same time, uh, there are a lot of other organizations that are doing what we're trying to do today. Uh, since then, um, I served a year in prison and been involved with consulting uh, on a few different projects over the past two years. And now I'm starting my newest project.
0: Nice, excellent. Thanks for thanks for the history, Charlie. And and I'm sure. I I, I just 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 a quick aside on that. Um, your, your comments about the Bitcoin Foundation, like, you know, when you came, when you come to sort of, like, realize, like, how it stands now, like, this is that, is that disappointing to see? Like, were you hoping that the Bitcoin Foundation could sort of be more like a coin center as a, like, eventually, or, like, what?
1: No, coin, coin, coin
2: center kind of focuses on regulations and, and engaging with the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted the Bitcoin Foundation to be more of a, have a specific focus. I wanted it to be a trade group. But I also wanted it to be where the developers can get paid to work on Bitcoin uh, development. Right now, um, Bitcoin dev, it, uh, a lot of the Bitcoin core devs work for specific companies, and to me that kind of uh, creates a bias. And I understand those companies are paying for people for those people to work on core de- de- development, which is super important. So I know that I'm not blaming them but I feel like a nonprofit should step in and pay for a court for core development and not, and not for-profit companies.
1: I could agree with that. We could probably go on talking about that aspect of the community for yeah, a long time, hours. but <laughs> yeah, um, I, you, uh, like you went away for a bit. And when you came back on the scene, you didn't kind of slide yourself back in. You, you came out, you know, guns blazing. Can you tell us about some of the stuff you're currently working on and, uh, like why you chose these types of things?
2: It's funny because people think people think that I got out uh, like kind of the end of the summer, and I was able to to fly under the radar. But in reality, I got out as early as um March of last year, and I just kind of lurked and no one knew I was out. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I didn't. There were so many times I wanted to like respond on Reddit or Twitter, but I didn't. I actually didn't turn on my phone for a full month after I got out. I didn't turn on my computer for about a month and a half. So I was just, I was using a flip phone. I wanted to basically, it's, it, it's, it's, I wasn't in there that long. I was in there for a year, but um, even so there's, there's a transition that it's hard to explain, but there's a transition that you go through um, kind of going from prison life back into normal life. And <clears throat> I don't want to be like all weird. So I, just wanted to make, <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was cool first before I, started talking to people because i was still on that that prison mentality I, it, it was it was it's hard to explain but you you have to live a certain way in there and fend for yourself and and everyone has an agenda and you have to keep your days very specific and you can't do too much at one time and it, it gets difficult so coming back into the real world was a little bit of, of a of a, a little stressful um it, it's scary in a way because you're kind of coming out and you're like you see daylight i never forget when i got out um my fiance picked me up and and this i, I was literally just wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt and i had my, a box of stuff and i walked into the parking lot and it was the weirdest thing because for a year i was like looking at this parking lot and I, for hours i'd wonder like i can't i can't wait to that to so like i can walk out into that parking lot and like what's that feeling going to feel like of walking out and like it's you're free. You're not, you, you walk out that door and the parking lot is right, is right there. Um, and I went through that parking lot every day to go to work. I worked at, um at another prison in landscaping. So I took like a, like a van,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> but I wasn't mentally, like I wasn't uh, free in, in their, in their terms. So, when they finally when I signed that paperwork, and and I walked out that door, um, yeah, it was creepy. They're like, All right, "What do you want to do now?" And I'm like, "I, just want, to, I want a cup of coffee first. I want to, I want to burn these clothes." Did you, go to, did you go to Starbucks? Did you go to Phil's? Did I you just go went to win- a fucking gas station? <laughs> just, like, like, just to get like a Sinoco or something. There wasn't even just anything. I just wanted just like like a like a fresh brewed cup of coffee, not instant. That's all I wanted. Um. I remember like eating breakfast that morning uh, in prison, just eating like I forgot what I had. It was like it was it was their version of grits, which are just yellow mush. Yeah, (laughs) grits. Disgusting. (laughs) And I was full. I was pretty full, so I got out and she's like, "Do you want to go eat?" I'm like, "No, I'm good." I'm pretty pretty full, but um, but yeah, that was That was a trip. But I wasn't ready to like speak to people yet. I I knew that I was like weird, so we just went home and and we kind of just enjoyed the small things like hiking and you know just taking it easy. And it took it took a few weeks, but um, but yeah, eventually I called a few people and I got together with people and I was still a little weird. And then finally, I made a decision. I had written that blog post like Mm -hmm. two months before I actually published it and I just I had it sitting as draft on my WordPress for like six weeks Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready to like click that publish button which that was like the announcement that I'm out and I did it and like I was like I was like oh we I was like oh my god all right it's done now
1: (laughs) I'm I'm back in the community
2: (laughs) yeah I mean so So I guess
0: how long after like coming out and like coming sort of out of that like weird like transitionary period back, how long until you were like, all right, it's time to put boots back on the ground and get to work and like get back in the scene and do my thing?
2: Well, I wanted to make I wanted to make money. Um, paying for my lawyers pretty much wiped me out. Uh, people think I'm sitting on this horde of of bitcoins, but it, it, you know, you talk about like. I had to use like hundreds of thousands of dollars when Bitcoin was really low, like in the two, three hundred dollars, to to pay for for legal and stuff like that. Well, not like two, only four or five hundred dollars. Um, so it was really nice to see the Bitcoin price was like at five fifty when I got out. That was pretty cool. Um,
0: That's right, guys. Keep with the price for Charlie. Good job.
2: Yeah. So the price, <laughs> the price has been slowly, the price has been going up, and it's on this really nice bull trend. Um, so I started, I started doing like these small consulting gigs for people. And I started getting really busy and I, and I got a few different clients going and I was doing a lot of things on the background that I didn't, I mean, keeping it on the DL. Um, but I wanted to, and, and I got offers to do like full-time stuff, but it just wasn't, they weren't like something I could be passionate about. They weren't really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they were doing something new. And then Jason kind of just reached out to me out of blue, Jason Granger, CEO. He said, Hey Charlie, I'm from the private equity world. Um, and I, he's like, I want to start a fund, and, and essentially allow international investors to, to buy our uh, security, but there's no like legal way to do it. There's no, sorry, scratch that. I shouldn't say legal way to do it. There's no physically <laughs> physical way to do it. There's no technical yeah. way to do it. Mm. But I've, I've heard of this thing on the blockchain. <laughs> what if we, what if we created like a token? the trades on exchanges and the token represents ownership in the portfolio of companies. And I said, well, that's a pretty fucking cool idea. I said, I don't really know much about private equity. You do, but you know, um, well, you guys will take out the cursing, right? Of course. it whatever. I don't, I don't know much about private equity, but you know, private equity. I know tech. Why don't we do this together? And he said, well, Charlie, I've, um, I've developed a pipeline of companies here in Michigan over the past year, and I was just going to raise do the do the funding fundraising on my own and do this like a friends and family private equity fund. But uh, let's try to do this on the blockchain. Let's take this to the next level. Let's allow like Asian investors the ability to do this on on chain. And I was like, well, I could do you further. Like, you know, it'd be really cool. Like, when we pay out dividends, we could do that on the chain too. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, we just take a snapshot of all the ownership of the tokens at one specific time. And actually, um, pay out distributions uh, automatically. He's like, "Well, that's like that's amazing." Um, so that was one of the. That's that, those are two reasons why we did this on the blockchain. Um, and 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 many people have asked me why Ethereum. Um, you know, I've had my uh, qualms, I should say, with Ethereum's with Ethereum, but kind of ups and downs. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that there's a better option at this point where to do this. I don't think that something exists. I will say that we're working very closely with the with with the rootstock team, RSK. I have mm-hmm. you know, Bitcoin's close to my heart,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we're already uh, trying to develop our token on their test net right now. And when yeah. they release when they release their token on on when they release their smart contract platform on on the Bitcoin blockchain, sometime next year, sometimes this year we'll be able to do a token swap away from Ethereum because I think that the Bitcoin blockchain is a lot more secure. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing right now.
0: So would you say like your your current qualms, like as you mentioned with the Ethereum blockchain was just sort of like the debacle that they had with the DAO and sort of like that sort of like political back and forth that happened with that? Was that like a turn off yeah,
2: for you? So that was a big turn The turn off was the hard fork was a big turn off for me. I think I thought that that pretty much, uh, you lost legitimacy of, of the blockchain right there. Um, that was one of them. And people ask me, like, why don't you use why using the blockchain? Why don't you just have a centralized database? And one of the answers is that, well, because if we have a centralized database, then you need to trust me that I won't take ownership away from you and give it to someone else, that I can't adjust transactions, I can't reverse transactions. If if you claim that your tokens were stolen, there's nothing I can do about that. You the token mm-hmm. is the actual ownership. Mm -hmm. That's why doing it on the blockchain is such an amazing thing. So with that hard fork, that was my issue. Another issue is that there's so many vectors of attack with Ethereum right now. Mm -hmm. uh, And the the leadership behind it, like their executive director, I forget her name. She only speaks at like one conference a year. No one hears from her ever. Mm -hmm. Like there's just no, there's no, it's just a bunch of people, you know, it's such a great technology. And I talked to Vitalik like, Every other week. And I love it. He's a great genius guy, but he's not a leader in, in the sense of, of, of leading a foundation or leading a community of people and and developers. So it's, it's, it has issues. I don't think it's going to die or go away. But I think that it's maybe it's not ready for something like this. But um,
0: <clears throat> so, would you think it's more so of a way for you to like protect your potential like stakeholders in the future by like just making sure that if you had the opportunity to move to something like RSK, you would move to the to the chain with like the least propensity for issues.
2: Yeah, and it's not it's not just RSK. It's it's if there's something better that comes along too, it's whatever that is too. We've already set up like the terms and conditions and the ownership and everything mm-hmm. like that. We've kind of all set it up that when we do do. If we do a token swap and we go somewhere else, it wouldn't be something difficult to do.
0: Got it. got it. So so I guess I guess in relation with Ethereum and in relation to Bitcoin, you know that being so close to your heart, what what immediately drove you into steam? Like how did like I, I know you're a big proponent of that. Um, I previously worked with Ryan Charles and Clemens Lee on the yours network project. And so I'm very curious as to, like, where did your general interest for that come from? And was, was it because sort of you came out and you were getting a feel for, like, what technologies were out there and Steam just seemed novel? Or, like, what attracted you to it?
2: That was one of the things. Steam seemed very novel. And I, and I know Ryan uh, very well, and, I, and I've been following yours very closely, and I think it's a really awesome project. Uh, the main difference is that Steam already exists, and it's working, and it has a community of people. And uh, mm-hmm. you can call it a scam all you want, but if you mm-hmm. look at the articles, you'll see – Dozens and dozens of comments on on every article. You know, I'm in the the rocket chat. I'm in the Slack. You're hundreds, if not thousands, of people. They have active users. People say, "Oh, like maybe those were farmed accounts." I'm not talking about registered users. I'm talking about active accounts. People that are actively either voting or commenting.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: there's there's a, a small community of people using it. Yes, I know there's it's on its own blockchain, and there was issues with hyperinflation in the lockup period. But we've since changed that. And I, I was involved in the hard fork process of that,
0: and they um, – I, I kind of want to pause one second. You kind of make – give me an interesting parallel here. You sort of – you came at the defense of Steam here briefly for a moment and sort of immediately leaned on that you work with them to correct some issues and issue a hard fork. Would you say that this sort of an, is a similar issue where Ethereum stood in its nascency where it had to, it had a choice of whether or not to hard fork or not and just – and like it's sort of in the same boat? Would, like sort of these hard so...
2: forks are not hard forks are not inherently bad steam is at 16 hard forks mm-hmm. M- most of these new projects have hard forks mm-hmm. Bitcoin has hard forked before mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago uh, hard forks are not inherently bad it's 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 what you're doing when you hard fork rolling bla- rolling back a blockchain is is what the is what the issue is I was one of I was a huge proponent of hard forking hard fork 16 on steam because I said, if, if I'm going to go out and support this thing, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be public about owning it, you got to end hyperinflation because because forcing someone to lock their token in for a two year period in order to 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 not get diluted the hell out of your ownership mm-hmm. is is retarded. It's just it's just crazy. <laughs> um, it's that's scammy, you know. Yes. So, saying yeah. you got to not you know when you try to tell someone what they can and cannot do with their money they're going to not they're going to want to do what they want to do. We've seen it with capital controls. Capital controls have the opposite effect of what they're intended for. They are great short term, but they are the worst for long term. Any country that cares about the long term like like uh uh, uh what the country is going to look like 10, 15 years down the road has any capital controls, it's just going to make things worse for them. Um so any project has the same thing. So with steam, you know, that was a big issue for me. And, uh, and the community behind it was very, not only ending hyperinflation, but also, um, changing that lockdown period from two years to 13 weeks.
1: Yeah. I speaking of like, speaking of, I guess you seem to come out, even more knowledgeable than when you went in, like when you came out of prison, more knowledgeable than you went in. You said you read around 144 books. I guess there's not a lot of things you can do in prison and reading is Mm. one of the best things. Do you feel that a lot of that helped you prepare to launch the projects you're working on now or gave Uh, you better ways to kind of view the blockchain space in general? Because there's not a lot of literature in, I guess, traditional books right now. So you were reading a lot of, I would imagine, things outside of blockchain development more like, Finance, traditional architecture.
2: Yeah, I took I took a I took a step back and and, and and you know, pretty much had almost very little communication and information. I mean imagine have no internet access for a year. That's a rough one. And the only information you get is from heavily monitored email. And even that is really difficult. Letters and phone calls and the phone calls you get ten minutes a day. Of being on the phone. Um, that's it. So I got more information from like letters than I did from anything else. I had hundreds of letters being written to me. Um, people would like print out the front page of Reddit and send it to me in, in the mail, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. That's your time stamp of like, uh, somewhere, adoption. So I couldn't click the articles. I like, click the articles and... <laughs> um, but yeah, I read I read a hundred and, and Forty-something books, I think I published a list somewhere. I think on Steam, but um, and you could see which books I read. but they're a mix of like novels, finance book, libertarian books. Uh, I read a lot of everything, but more o- more the conversations with the people I had in there, it gave me perspective on life, mm. but also on like other other political stuff. Like, I mean, there were politicians in there. There were uh, judges. There were former law enforcement. I had executives at big companies that were very smart. I remember having like a six hour debate with someone on whether the United States should move to a parliamentary system over a presidential system. And Why we're not, not talking about just like a shallow conversation, like <laughs> a super in-depth, him running to call someone to get facts and I'm calling someone else to get facts and we're debating <laughs> and, you know, like like literal, like we're ready to issue a white paper and give it to Trump, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we have nothing else to do with our time.
1: <laughs> so that, like, I guess that, that transitions nicely into kind of something else I wanted to know. It says what you're doing now and what you're trying to build uh, has a lot of regulation involved with it. How, like, what are you doing different this time around? Or, like, what lessons yeah. could you give to the audience of uh, what not to do? An expert is someone who knows what not to do really quickly. Unfortunately,
2: like, un- Unfortunately, in this space, it's scary. And... Uh, I learned the hard way that if it's something that seems like it's in the gray area, if you have to say to yourself, where is the loophole, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Um, And so one of the first questions was that I had with our attorneys, with Marco, Marco Santori, and and the Cooley team was, uh, what are the legalities behind this? And are we going to have to find loopholes? I want this to be a security I want to be the first secure, you know, securitized blockchain asset.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And to do that, we had came to a conclusion that we have to not allow token holders to buy tokens or get distributions. Or if you're in the U.S. or in the EU, that severely limits who can be our token holders. But we want them to do this right. So if there's a chance we can come into the U.S. in a year from now, two years from now, once the regulations get clear, we wanted to make sure we did it the right way first.
0: Hmm. That sounds like a safe way to go about it. I,
1: I, like, that. I that. like that. I like that general general advice. If you're looking for the loophole, you're probably doing something wrong. That's, yeah. that's a good takeaway in general. Someone so, said
2: to me like a few hours ago, he's like, well, if your lawyers can find us a loophole, I'm like, nah, it's not, <laughs> that's not really how it works, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Well, I guess, okay, so aside from... Your Projects you're working on, Steam and all that stuff. Like, what, what are some projects um, that are like currently going on in the space that you think are pretty interesting? Like, are you following any Bitcoin projects, blockchain, quote, you know, related projects that you think are else worth attention?
2: I'm, I'm looking at a lot of uh, startups in the space. There are a lot of companies that I think are really cool. Um, I really like the Shapeshift uh, Changely. Ch- changely.com is, a, is, I would say, the biggest competitor to Shapeshift. And then moving on now to, to credit cards providing the easiest on and off ramps from bitcoin uh to other cryptos and then back i think are really important
0: um there's another there's another company you should look at then if you're if you that interests you there's a there's a gentleman who's working on a um basically a, a debit card like system for Shapeshift. it's called a uh, yellow card yellow card financial um there's a gentleman he's working on that Um uh, so, I thought, I, 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 yeah, I love the idea of like using like multiple different types of cryptos for payments and things like that.
2: Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, I got oh, a, no. Trezor, a Trezor, which is awesome. I really mm-hmm. like that project. And um, other than that, I mean, I've been looking at mostly companies, not really alternative blockchains that much. I've been really focused on rootstock. Mm-hmm. and and getting that pro- helping them get that project off the ground mm-hmm. and then working with a few different uh, other projects.
1: Yeah, I guess, you- go ahead. No, no, no. Go no, no, no. ahead. Yeah, uh, on, uh, on our podcast, we tend to we end up talking to a lot of VCs, angel investors, um, people like that, people who are really looking at the business side of, of cryptocurrency. And more often than not, they're more focused on the people behind the project other than the tech stack feel like mm-hmm. that's more important? like Because in the previous, I guess, early days of the POC and a lot of what people are building in startups, a lot of it was focused on this new technology and how do we use it? We have a solution. Let's find a problem for it. And there wasn't yeah, a lot of business acumen running around. Do you feel like that is more important almost in creating these startups? That's
2: that's changed a lot. So you have really bright minds that are, and, and that's one of the things that's awesome. Like you look at uh, coinfund.io and their whole community these are some really smart people that vet every project that comes out you join their slack you have attorneys you have financial analysts you have people that are just on their super bright minds and then you see you see projects um um like like um like that and it's just there was another one that i was just looking at a second ago I lost it. Give me one second. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did it go?
0: Yeah, we'll make sure we include links to these places, too, in the show notes. If anyone's
1: curious.
2: Yeah, it was CoinFund, and it was another one just like CoinFund. I don't know where it went. Whatever. It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> no plug for them. Yeah,
2: I'll, <laughs> I'll try to remember at some point. Right, whatever. Things just, my mind goes goes blank sometimes.
0: It's all good. So I guess well that's 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 basically everything we wanted us to cover from you and like pick your brain and take from it. Unless there's is there anything else you probably want to like leave us with? Is there anything that's been on your mind or anything you want to talk about or do you, you know do you want to tell people to get off your back and fuck you no. and stop bothering you about prison? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: would just I would just say if you're if you're a non-U.S. or EU resident and you're looking to buy a token that repre- represents real ownership and 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 profit-making companies, check out Mm MainStreet.ky and uh, you won't be disappointed.
0: Excellent. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Charlie, for coming on to the show. You know, Glad to have you you. on. And and thanks for filling in our minds with uh, ways to stay out of jail, which is obviously very important. And thanks for taking one for the team. We appreciate that in the Bitcoin community.
2: (laughs) All right. Have a great day, guys. And make sure you like me to this and tweet at me when it's done.
0: And this episode of Block Channel was brought to you by Purse. Purse is the easiest way to spend and store Bitcoin. With Purse, you can save 5 to 33% off all the items you love on Amazon. There's even an iOS app. So check out the links in the show notes and start saving money on the purchases you already make every day by using Bitcoin on Purse. Give me straight when I'm
2: offset with my Asian shop game over by me trying to fuck with-